0: My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away. If you are ready to take Instagram seriously and use this platform as a business tool, download my free Instagram guide, I walk you through part of my proven methods so you can start taking action and attracting your ideal client via social media marketing. Grab my freebie found on my website or show notes at LibbyRothschild.com. I'm here today with Brittany Woodard. She is back. Returning as a guest, so happy to have her here and she is going to be chatting about, uh, she's part of the Then and Now series. So she's going to be updating you about all of her adventures as a dietitian and how she is creating impact and income. She's a registered dietitian, nutritionist and married mom of two little girls. Brittany works with moms that are looking to feel confident about their postpartum bodies and find food freedom. She uses and teaches simple mindset, changing skills based on cognitive behavioral therapy to help moms change the way they think about food and their bodies. Can you let us know where everybody can find you?
1: Yeah. So my website is bodypositivemom.com, but I really do most of my work on Instagram, obviously. And my handle there is bodypositive underscore mom.
0: Fantastic. Yes. So for those of you who don't know who Brittany is, definitely make sure to give her a follow and join her community. I love the content that you create and the community you've built on there. It's definitely a lot of fun and you created such a beautiful experience.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I love it when people say that and it, it happened and I sometimes I still don't know how, <laughs> but here I am.
0: Yeah. Well, it it happened with some strategy, some hard work and some passion and alignment. And, uh, you definitely give yourself some credit for that because, uh, I feel that your design is really good.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I do have this like artistic creative side of me that I've always had. And I think Instagram like gives me like both outlets, like my dietitian outlet and my, my creative outlet. So it's been, it's been really fun actually.
0: Yeah. And before we kind of get into it, can you talk about how you've been able to take something that a lot of people find daunting and make it fun? Like, how were you able to reframe that? Because a lot of people get frustrated with social media.
1: Well, I'm not going to lie. At first it was really, really hard. I could not find my vibe. It it almost seemed like the pages that I would look at, I was like, man, but theirs look so cohesive. So I would try like different things out and I would like them, but I almost think as art or as fashion is, I guess they say, like it's never finished. So it's like, I'll do this for a while and then I'll like change over to this. And for me, it's fun to just like play with the colors, play with the different fonts and like all of that. And I just truly enjoy it, but I can see how that might not be so fun for some people. I
0: love it. Yeah. And can you talk for a moment about like the strategy behind like how you're able to serve the women that you serve? I know we've talked about this before, but just a little bit of a reintroduction if anybody hasn't listened to the last episode, although you should. So for those of you listening, make sure to listen to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, so are you talking more about just what content I put out on Instagram? Like, how do I come up with that?
0: So I guess even, even let's rewind it back a little further, like how you decided to niche down to postpartum moms and body positivity, and then the content, like how you create amazing content and get ideas for that. So kind of two parts.
1: Yeah. So at first I, I was working in a job, a clinical job, and I was miserable and I knew that there had to be something more. And so I, you know, I had worked with eating disorders for a long time, which I truly do enjoy. But it's hard because you really need a multidisciplinary team. And so that was where I was getting stuck. Like, do I want to do that? Like, what am I passionate about? You know, and then I am a new, was a new mom, especially when I was making these decisions. And I think it came down to, I want to work with disordered eating. And I am really passionate about how much women's lives change and, and men too and all families. But Me, as a woman, my life changed so much. And so I think I wanted to really help moms not, there's already so many pressures, and to like not feel that pressure too. And so then I got truly passionate about it. I think my creativity does come from the passion. Like if I was doing something I wasn't passionate about, I can see myself being like, eh, good enough, (laughs) you know?
0: yeah and and so can you talk just for a moment about finding that passion because I mean a lot of people also struggle with that or they feel like they've got yeah. twelve passions, right which twelve passions isn't very marketable.
1: Yes, I have twelve passions too, and they are not very marketable and <laughs> uh, it was scary. I would definitely like have moments where I was in my car driving like oh my God, but I need no, I need to serve you know all eating disorders I can't do this and then I would like calm back down a little bit. And, and, and really think like, no, this is what you're doing. This is what you're passionate about. And it did take some time to really get used to like, this is my niche. This is what I'm doing. It's not that I can't talk about those other 12 passions that I have every now and again, but my main niche is moms feeling, you know, not so confident about their postpartum bodies and feeling like they need to diet and lose weight. And So I, I focus on that. Sometimes I'll go off a little bit, but it was scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and so thank you for sharing that. And then did you answer the part about how you come up with content or now that you you're clear with like, you've been clear with what you're doing, how do you generate the content that's causes engagement and helps you build your business?
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually like a lot of things. I feel like my brain is like overheating sometimes when I'm making those posts and my husband, like he doesn't really get it. And I'm like, no, you have to think about the color. I have to think about the white space. You need to think about, are you hitting the pain points? And are you hitting them in the right way? Is there too many words? Like, all I love it. I pain. love it. <laughs> and so I think in the beginning, I remember you kind of giving me some feedback, like, well, maybe there's too many words. And I was like, well, how am I going to say what I want to say without all of these words? And then I eventually got to this point where it was like, nobody's going to read that much on my post. Like yeah. you only have a certain amount of time to catch somebody's interest. Yeah. If you see a lot of words, you're probably going to scroll past that one. And so that was, an, I kind of just keep all these smaller things in mind that in the big picture, they're all big. Yeah. Um, and then, I, you know, I, I, I kind of look at the Explorer page sometimes and I just see like what's doing well, uh, you know, where are the trends at? And then I just, I, I keep all that in my mind when I'm creating a post.
0: And you're, you're doing an incredible job. It's very visually stimulating and very you know deep and connecting, and you definitely are hitting on the pain point. So you're a fantastic role model in this space. If you could talk a little bit about, uh, I know you had mentioned earlier in a clinical position, uh, where are you now since, uh, you know, a little bit of since we first had the, the, since you were first a guest and just in general, like how have you evolved in your business in the last three to six months?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question because it is, my life is like completely different than it was that first time I was on your podcast because I was still working my clinical job. I I was still really, and the fear is real. The fear is real and you you feel like you can't leave because there's never this perfect time. Well, I got to wait until I have so many clients. I got to wait until my husband, you know, can do this. I got to wait until daycare stop. I got to, there's always these things that you feel like you have to wait for. But for me, what happened was I got in this car accident and I had horrible whiplash. And so I was off work for a while. And I think that that helped me just kind of like get out of the work zone. And then I went back and I was like, no, (laughs) I can't do this. And so I did it for a few weeks. And I, I honestly, this is a true story. I woke up one Tuesday morning and it was just clear as day to me. Like I quit and I did. And my husband was really mad at me, Uh, (laughs) but I was like, I hate it. Like, why do I have to spend so much of my life just like hating it? And now you want to like, I lost our health insurance for us. I also took a gigantic pay cut in the beginning. Yeah. I did all the things that I was so terrified of happening. They happened. All right. And I'm still sitting here now and everything is good. And it was hands down the best decision I ever made in my life. No matter what happened to me, I always knew that that was going to be a good decision because I I felt like I couldn't create good work. I couldn't get passionate about what I was really passionate about because that job was sucking so much of the energy out of me that a lot of times my work fell to the back burner. And then I, I wasn't happy doing either thing. So, So, uh,
0: and thank you for sharing that. And that is scary for a lot of listeners. And I, I know, you know, as you know, a mom with your family, what kind of? I understand you had the accident, and it was obviously made you think, and it caused you to make some decisions. Talk about what finally made it you do it. Was it just thinking about you know the accident and just feeling like you needed to take action, or? Was there a specific situation? Cause I feel like the listeners are going to think that's scary.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is scary. It is. I am in no way downplaying the horror of the whole thing. It is. And for, I would say like at least a good month after I did that, I would like be trying to sleep at night and be like, I got to call my boss and tell her I need that job back because like, I'm too scared. And and then I never did, you know, luckily, but the, the fear is real. Uh, shoot. Now I can't remember what your question was.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I was just wondering is, was there something specific or particular that made you decide to, to really work through feeling like crap at a job and doing your own thing when you took a pay cut? Like that sounds like I would need something major to happen for that. Obviously the, the whiplash and the accident, it could, there, that could be the biggest correlation.
1: Yeah. So I think what the big thing was, was that, um, the work environment, I kind of hate using the word toxic, but it was really negative. It was super yeah. negative. It was affecting every single employee around me. So even if I went in there with like high spirits, the negativity would just take me right down to the bottom, like every single day. So that became like my new normal, I think. And then when the accident happened and I got away from it for a period of time and I came back, I like I felt it so much more because I got away from it. Yeah. And so it was the negativity and like my neck pain, and I was like, I can't do this. This is, it was just so clear. I needed to stop.
0: And and I appreciate you painting that, that story because we don't realize those things, right. Until we step out for a second. And, and oh, yeah. the this part is some of us are never able to step out. And that's why reflection is so important, but it's so difficult. I myself was in a clinical position. I, I felt, I mean, underused, underappreciated, underpaid. And I didn't take that moment to reflect until I built my business. And I regret and wish I reflected earlier because job satisfaction is important. Right. And then if you don't have the space to be passionate, it's not, you know, not good. So it's, it's obviously not a, a, you know, it's tragic to have an accident and to experience whiplash, but it's also, you know, I appreciate the story as far as your reflection about how it helped you be in a better space.
1: Yes. I think I I can reflect back on the accident and see the good that came out of it, even though it did come with a lot of pain and suffering and misery, Yeah, it did good. And that it was like a catalyst for my change.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then walk us through when you did leave the job and you, you know, your husband was mad at you and you couldn't (laughs) sleep at night because you were having some anxiety, but you knew you had to change because that depressive state of mind isn't going to be any good for you as you're building your business and trying to live a life as a mom. What then happened with your your business and just you and and you know, talk about that?
1: yeah,, Uh, it was stressful, like I said. um, you know, I would have those moments, and then it was like i i I would find these moments of clarity where I was like, you were not living doing that. And it's like you said, I was so underpaid. I was so underappreciated. It was affecting my mental health bad. And so, I felt all of that relief when I left. So even though my husband was mad at me, it was much easier to deal with that than it was to deal with the work environment. And he got over it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, it was so many different things, I think, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and then talk about building your business. And when you did leave, how did that segue into private practice and clients and like the people you serve? What, what happened then?
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, I couldn't really like hammer down exactly what I wanted to do. It's like, I knew who I wanted to work with. And then because I wasn't feeling well from the accident, it was like, I don't know how much energy I have to like do one-on-one right now. And so I did a little bit of it, mostly just like locally. I did yep. it. And then uh, because my creativity like really, really took off after I had just like more mental energy, more physical energy, all of that that some of my posts, like, I would just get, like, such, like, you should make this into a poster. And I was like, I should make this into a poster. And so a lot of, like, my really artistic posts that I do on Instagram, I actually sell them on Etsy now.
0: So cool.
1: Yeah. And so I've had, like, dieticians and, like, therapists and just people recovering from eating disorders or just people who are looking for, like, body-positive reminders in their house buy them and, like, give me really good feedback. So that's been... Awesome.
0: (laughs) Can you talk about how you were able to, like, where did you go from idea and beautiful visual representation to getting payment from Etsy? Like, did somebody Uh, tell you that and you decided to do it? Or did you first push it on Etsy? Like, walk us through how you were able to make money from that exactly.
1: Yeah, so I uh, used to paint furniture. I still do paint furniture. I just don't do as much for money as I used to. And so I had an Etsy site where I would do that. But I mean, that was really hard because of shipping and all these other things. Yeah. So then I already had like familiarity, like with using Etsy. And then I already knew I, I'm like a Canva whiz at this point after using it so much. Yeah. So when I just kind of put both of those together and then I, I just started listing them, not really knowing like what would happen. And it's t- it's taken off and it's been it's been really awesome. Like I get to do what I love now. Um, and I've expanded into even doing some Spanish posters too, which is the,
0: that's incredible. Are you comfortable talking uh, any kind of like averages about how much you make or how much you made when you first started or anything like that?
1: I mean, you, you, you would think I would know that I really, I like numbers is definitely like the, the area I need to work on more, <laughs> but I, I, it's growing every day. My Something numbers different. are getting higher every day, my views are getting higher all the time too. And I think Using Instagram to market has been everything. If I didn't have Instagram to market, I wouldn't be where I am right now with that.
0: This is, this is such an incredible story. So you have become a digital content creator and the fact that you're selling your posters in English and Spanish to represent your message from Etsy and you're marketing it through Instagram. Yes, who wow. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, it's incredible because you like the sky's the limit. So talk to me about, or talk to us. Will you share what else? Cause I believe you had an Amazon workbook. So are you, do, what else do you sell? Are you now doing one-on-ones with people? Or are you primarily focusing on this digital product business?
1: Yeah. I mean, so obviously like being a mom, like passive income is awesome yeah. because you never know when your kids are going to get sick. You never know when your babysitter is going to fall through stuff like that. So passive income is great. Um, I think I'm getting to the point now where well, I actually, I'm definitely getting to the point now where I want to do one-on-one. So I've gotten pretty much everything in place to do that. I'm going to start marketing it soon. I love counseling. I mean like that my passion definitely lies there. I love it. So I want to do that. And I will. I did also create a journal. I'm calling it a journal. Yeah, It's a lot like a workbook too, though. And I made it through Amazon KDP. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that at all.
0: I'm not. Can you tell us what that means?
1: Yeah. So it's a little bit tricky. My sister, she has a, a really popular uh, Instagram account on infertility. And so she does a lot of these things. She's like, hey, you know, I made this book. And I was like, well, tell me about it. And so she did it through what's called Amazon KDP. So you can make different templates for any kind of book. I made a coloring book as well, like an adult coloring book for body positivity through Canva. You upload it to Amazon KDP and then they sell your book. They take a pretty—I mean, they take a pretty significant royalty. But you can also order author copies, and then I sell those through Etsy too. Yep. And the author copies are basically only what it costs to print the book. So, but Amazon KDP—I'm going to warn you—there's some headaches involved. Yeah, sure. The, the formatting has to be like perfect. But once you get it down, it's really awesome.
0: It sounds like learning Canva. It's like learning a new Canva. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's like my worst nightmare. But <laughs> so yeah, you silly. will download
1: it and then they'll be like, you're a little bit out of this range. And you're like, no, but I figured that's, it out now.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay. So you have been able to upload the coloring book onto, and the, the journal onto Amazon and sell it through there. And so how, what's the strategy for that? Are you pushing that versus Etsy or just kind of both?
1: I push kind of both. I mean, I would I would rather people buy it through me, through Etsy. Um, Amazon KDP sometimes has these weird printing issues. I think they're, like, working it out, but I've had somebody buy it through Amazon, and they get, like, pages from, like, another person's book, or, like, it'll come, like, upside down. I don't really know why. I'm on, like, a Facebook group for Amazon KDP, and it sounds like it's a pretty, like, normal occurrence unfortunately. Yeah. So I feel really bad when that happens to people because there's nothing I can do to stop it. So when I get my author copies, I flip through them to like make sure nothing like that happened. Yeah, but either way, it's totally fine with me.
0: Yeah, that's so cool, Brittany. That's incredible. And so now that so the then and now is that you have been able to start your Instagram feed, Get passionate, niche down, increase your creativity by really reflecting on how you can make decisions that are better for your mental health and your family. And with that decision, create a digital product that people asked for because of the demand you created on social media, and then have that available both through Amazon and through Etsy and sell it in multiple languages.
1: Yes dietitian boss. Yeah. When you say it, it sounds really awesome.
0: (laughs) It is really awesome. You got to give yourself some credit because like you've had an incredible journey.
1: Absolutely. The journey has been a lot. I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. Uh, My life is significantly better.
0: That's that's fantastic. And so what else, um, is there anything else you want to share when it comes to Instagram about how you're able to market and and sell this digital product from Instagram? Is there anything special that you're doing? Any kind of strategy that you're following? Are you really just focusing on making amazing content? And that speaks for itself because when you do make amazing content, honestly, that's three fourths plus of the battle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the big part of the strategy is like, you got to engage with your followers. like, I always, I think sometimes people think I won't reply to a DM because like I I'm too busy and sometimes I am, but I always get to them eventually. I just like to sort of hear what my followers are struggling with and like how I can better help them. And so some of my post ideas are straight from them like the one I did recently on uh pant size changing, so many moms were like, but I have to buy that size now. And then I was like, yeah, you know, I should make a post about that. And so I think engaging is huge. I think sharing on your stories is huge. And I think making yourself a person is big because who's going to buy just from a nice, uh, bright Instagram picture of me, like good. You're showing your face, but if you don't talk, you're not as, as like personable. So I, I think that that all goes in my strategy.
0: And and obviously you're you are very engaging to speak with. So I'm happy to hear that you're able to show your face and like speak and go on video because it really does work. It builds the know like and trust very fast. So video is obviously like a great way to 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 do that and to let people open up to you. But if we were to go back and, and rewind a little bit for the listeners who are feeling like Uh, maybe intimidated because you're such a, a dietitian boss, um, like times 10. So if they're saying to themselves, well, how do you even get DMs from people who are like talking about those topics? Can you talk about the earlier days and how you were able to build the engaged following that you have now? And then obviously get a better, more, more cohesive content strategy as you've evolved.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it takes a lot of trial and error at first. You kind of have to like see what does well for you. I think it's super important to just see people who are in your niche and doing well, what are they doing? And go, no, don't just like go to one person, like go to a whole bunch of different people and just kind of like see and learn and like educate yourself. I also think it's important just to like look at the posts and I think it goes back to, I have a hundred words I want to say about this, but you need that white space and you need that visual to really capture people.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so I, I think that that that's a big piece of that.
0: I mean, it's everything. So mm-hmm. it's everything, creating white space, talking about pain points, all of that stuff. Okay.
1: So if you were
0: to go back to some before and after, meaning like when you weren't as good at creating white space and understanding that a hundred words don't necessarily go in one post, yeah, um, what's helped you? Has it just been trial and error or is, has there been, I guess there's two parts. Yeah, Was there something significant that helped you? And then what has kept you motivated to continue? Because consistency is tough for a lot of the listeners.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's times when I'm not as consistent and I don't like that. Yeah the big thing I think you got to do is you got to batch content and create. So when I'm taking pictures for posts, I'm going to do that for like two hours and then I'm going to have pictures for posts for like two months from that. Um, And I think that that's a big part of staying consistent because if you're trying to recreate the wheel every single day, every anyone would get tired and burn out from that. It's not sustainable. So of course you can't be consistent.
0: Right. And also, you know, you shouldn't be recreating the wheel because at your level, when you know what your mm-hmm. problem you're solving, you're really just listening to your audience and creating content based on what they want. And that's not recreating the wheel. It's just like further um, making sure that you're following what they want and just really constantly always making sure you're serving them. Um, yeah, so I feel I like it, it gets easier once you get past that hump of yeah. making sure of that trial and error. Because all, all business is trial and error. It's always just trying things and seeing what works and evaluating. And, and, it, and the consistency is key because a lot of us get frustrated and give up too soon or we never start, gosh forbid.
1: Yes. I think consistency is key and know that you will get better and you're right. It will get easier, but you have to get through that awkward stage. Okay. You're going to make it there though. Yeah, <laughs> I had that awkward stage. I think everyone did. Yeah,
0: It's like braces in high school.
1: It totally is. And they come off and then you like get your flow. Yeah. Uh, and then once you get it, don't stop doing it. Like keep doing it. Um, I think a big case, like key to my success is that I've had a lot of really, really big accounts share my posts. And so there was one account who had over a million followers. I got 3000 followers within the next day.
0: Incredible! That's, that's wow. absolutely incredible. And I just want to give you a lot of credit for that and say, the reason that people feature your content is because you make good content. And I know it yeah. sounds simple, but like if you want to be seen and increase your visibility on Instagram, you have to create better content. Mm-hmm. You have yeah, to go yeah. back to the drawing board and ready. You said it all like white space, not too many words, colors, visual. Like you, do you have to do it? Like
1: that's you have to do it yeah. it's more work than it looks like. If you've never done this before, you're like, oh, they just took that picture today and did that. No, they didn't. They did not do that. And like, that's part of it. It's work and it's worth that. I was talking with a dietitian I know locally, and she was trying to like get some pointers on Instagram. And she's like, do you think it's better just to post to get the engagement, even if it doesn't follow all the rules? And I said, no, don't post Then You got to follow the white space, the words, the brightness, the trends, like all those things, pain points, all that.
0: Oh, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> (laughs) And I mean, it's true. And so when when the listeners are able to look at your feed and see like the community that you create and the aesthetic, they'll see exactly what you're saying. And I think that it's really amazing to see you follow and to watch your progression and to hear your story. It's just really incredible. And so what's next for you? What do you um, want to do? I mean, I know you said counseling skills and kind of getting into that. Like, do you have any goals with your digital products or what do you think you, where do you want to take what you've started or how do you want to take it to the next level?
1: Yeah, I think definitely my vision of taking it to the next level is starting one-on-one coaching. That uh, I, that's it for me. Like, I think that my post can go so far. People can get my journal and they can learn about the techniques that I use to help moms. But I really feel like if somebody wants to get some like really good groundwork on body positivity and like food freedom, work with me for three months, and I promise you'll be there. Like. And that's what I'm excited about, because I love seeing that progress. And so, again, because I feel really passionate about it, I know it'll go really well. So that's where I see myself going next. But uh, there's always like these little like fireworks, I call them like going off in my mind of just like, what about that? And like, that's where some of my like the coloring book idea came from. I was like, that would be cool. And then I just whipped it out and made it and it's been selling well. Um, So I'm always like, opening my mind to like other avenues too
0: yeah that's fantastic and that's that's a good way to allow you know that organic creativity and, and more opportunities incredible opportunities far beyond anything you could imagine right because right. you never yeah. I mean you n- never would have known that it would have taken you just you getting consistent with a social platform would have gotten you the ability to sell digital products and you know in multiple languages and then yes. be able to increase your counseling on your terms when you want to and that's just a beautiful thing to be able to have that control over how you want to serve people and create income for your family
1: yes i would have never thought i would have been here but you know another thing i just really think is important to say is like you're gonna get haters you're gonna get people who are gonna tell you you can't do this and i am here to tell you that you can do this and when you get more and more successful and you get more and more visible, people in your life are going to be jealous and it's normal and it's natural. And they're not bad people. They're very good people. Yeah. And it, you just have to keep staying motivated and, and just let them say what they're going to say. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. You're going to get haters on Instagram. You're going to get people who not only hate your post, but get a little personal with the hate. And again, Try to just not let it affect you. Know that that comment is about them yeah. and not about you. You're doing awesome. Keep being awesome.
0: I, I love that, and and I I appreciate that. Do you have a specific tip as like a how to? Like how do you shift your mindset when somebody gets personal and you know yeah. that it's just a reflection of them? Because I'll just add to this: the most successful people don't have time to be haters. So just keep yeah. that in mind.
1: Yes. So for a long time, I was a big believer in ignore it. And I did that. And I usually still do that. Like on Instagram, every now and again, though, well, more and more recently, I guess, it's almost like you can use your haters to further prove your point in the post. So sometimes I kind of like it when haters are like, carbs cause weight gain. I'm like, yes all right, let's start this conversation because I said it in my post and I'm going to keep drilling the point in here in the comments. So sometimes I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> there was one post a couple months ago where people were mad and I'm not going to lie. It was hard for me. There was a few hard moments, yeah. but then I, I was calling it like, like sarcastic kindness is what I was calling it. But I, I, I do very much believe that it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. So like, if you can, if you do want to engage with a hater, the biggest tip is do not let, like don't let them get you mad because then they win. So if you can, if you want to reply, like reply with something to uh, kind of question their way of thinking again, to further prove your point about the post. That's what I do. I don't know if that works for everybody, but that's me.
0: Yeah. And I think the overall message too, is to find what works for you. Like you had said, there's two options. You ignore it or you find a way to manage the situation that works for you. I think that's a, a great uh, reflection for the listeners.
1: Yeah, I think um, the absolute number one thing that you should not do is you should not get mad and get mean. Don't yeah. do that. that doesn't yeah. help you That doesn't
0: help anybody. Don't do that. that. (laughs) Yeah. And I I just feel like a lot of us that get haters, we want to crawl under a hole and under (laughs) a rock. And just and that's what, you know, I I know you're trying to tell us to not do that. And I appreciate that. It's just a reminder for all the dietitians out there. Like you, you're going to get people that don't agree with you and that's okay. Because when you market to everybody, you market to nobody. Uh So when you market to somebody, someone else will inevitably get upset it's just part of the process. And so when you can accept it, and manage it, listen to this conversation, and know you're not alone. Uh, right. Just make sure to, to keep in mind that that's just part of the process. It's part of being it, on social media.
1: It absolutely is. And there's nothing wrong with you and your content.
0: Absolutely. You know? So I wanted to ask you, as we you know wrap up this conversation, it's been an absolute pleasure to like hear about your success and your progress and your reflections. Would you be comfortable sharing one or two clinical stories with us?
1: Oh yes, I would love to share. Is there anything like 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 specifically that you?
0: No, just you know anything that comes to mind that you think would be something that can relate to someone maybe who's still in a clinical office and you know, she, she wants to not feel alone. I remember I I had no idea what other people were experiencing. I would have loved to know, like, what are other people doing in their clinical? I mean,
1: I, I really, I could go on about this so long. I know we don't have that much time left, but I, I sometimes would think about my experience at a clinical job as like unique. Like I was like, no, this place is like, especially negative. Like, Other people's jobs are, you know, maybe not so fun, but I think that mine is like especially bad. But then as I keep kind of hearing more and more from other dietitians about their experiences and their clinical jobs, I started to realize that maybe it wasn't just me that this was happening to. So one of the big things that happened to me, especially like right at the end, and I posted on like a Facebook group about this just because I was really like looking for support was I was I was starting to do like both my clinical work and I was like getting you know some traction on Instagram and like you know talking about stuff online and be like becoming more visible that made me sort of a target at work and so I should really have not talked about it as much as I was and I think that that would have helped me a little bit because again I think that that jealousy flares up a little bit because some people are sort of they feel very stuck in that negative workplace environment. And so I was getting workplace bullied like pretty badly. There was really no right that I could do anymore. I knew I was good at my job. I knew I knew what I was talking about when it came to eating disorders and how to best help, you know, families and people struggling. That didn't matter though, because my team, uh, it, it, it just, it, it was very much workplace bullying. There's like really no other way to describe it except for that. And that really weighs on your mental health. And it weighs on the mental health of actually people around you to watch that happen. And so that to me was like super unfortunate. And I, I think really played a big role. And when I did leave, I was leaving that too,
0: can you give uh, an example of how they bullied you? And I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. And thank you for sharing because I think that's also something taboo that we don't talk about. So I appreciate yeah. sharing that with us.
1: I, I think when people hear bullying, they think of like a weak person. Yeah, and, and I think that that's maybe why people don't talk about it because they don't want to be perceived as like a weak person that's easy to pick on. I think it's just the opposite, though. It, to me, it seems like people who get workplace bullied are are good at their jobs. Mm-hmm. I think that they are. They, they're more personable. People like their personality, and and so that actually is what makes you a target. It's not that you are a weak person. It's the exact opposite of that. So if you find this happening to you, know that it's not you again. It's them. And I didn't even know it was happening until a dietitian covered for me when I was on a vacation, and I came back and she said, "I think you're getting workplace bullied," and I was like, "What is that?" And then I looked it up, and I was like, "Yes, this is happening." And really, what it was, it was like, it was a couple of people on my treatment team, and they just would go against every single entire thing that I had to say. I was the only dietitian on the treatment team, so really, there was n- nobody else with my experience to be able to give advice like that. And so it, it just started to be like talk behind my back and uh, get people against me, and it even got as bad as like get kids' parents against me. It, it got really, really bad. And I, once, once I became aware of it, that was when I really noticed it. Um, so it's really common. I, I read about it. It's really common that it happens in like healthcare. I don't know why I don't, there probably is a reason, but it happened to me. It did.
0: Mm-hmm. And for people, and thank you for sharing that. And for yeah. those you know, listeners who are, you know, maybe can't quit their job or what would you suggest to them? Were you able to report this? Were you able to manage that's it or talk about it? Or how did you kind of find a strategy to, to like your mental health?
1: Gets, yeah. That's where it gets really, really hard. And that a good job, a good workplace Will get rid of the bully. A good workplace will not tolerate bullying, but many workplaces do. Yeah. And so I did. I tried to talk with HR about it, I tried to talk with my manager about it. It made me more of a target, honestly. And it was, it actually did not, it's the exact opposite thing for me. It was bad. It made it worse. And, then, and that's where I think that there needs to be a lot of work in that area for people who have to work within a team and feel, I don't know, for whatever reason, they can't work for themselves. Yeah. That you can't report it to HR. And what I was reading was that most people to end the bullying, they just have to quit. They have to find a new job. And it's sad. And I wish I had a better tip yeah that i was
0: at yeah I, I would say in that situation like if you can't manage with hr also seeking therapy and making sure yeah. that you can find someone who you can talk Definitely. to because that is like that's a really serious issue
1: oh absolutely it is yeah. like if you if this is happening to you and you feel like maybe you're overreacting you're not i'm telling you you're not overreacting it's horrible and i did talk in therapy about it and it right. helps me and i am where i am now and i've never Happier. I truly. I'm not saying that in any. Like I'm not pretending. I have never been happier doing what I'm doing now, and I would never go back to working for anybody else ever again.
0: And and congratulations for your success, and thank you for being a role model and for firstly talking about mental health, which can be uncomfortable for many of us to talk about, and then you know reframing and reflecting and sharing your story because so many people are going to feel inspired. From what you've been able to share and the journey you've been able to create as a mom, uh, it's really impressive. And and it just goes to show, you know, social media is a tool that you can use to create the life that you want on your terms.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why I talk about these things because I felt like nobody else was talking about them.
0: Yeah, I, I I hear you, and they're not. Yeah, these conversations are definitely not having. Uh, we're not having enough of these vulnerable conversations, yes. and then finding a way to reframe them in a positive light as well as important. So. <laughs> right. I agree. Any other final thoughts that you want to leave us with tonight, Brittany?
1: Just that if you are miserable in your clinical or any other dietitian job that you're doing, take a risk. It'll be worth it. Even if My it's time. scary at first, I promise you'll feel better.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much, Brittany, for, for sharing. Yeah. Thank you for listening. The next step to continue pursuing your journey includes. Applying to my next group program, you can find that on my website under group coaching and apply. You can also grab my free workbook, also listed on my website and go through the exercises so that you can get more clear with your marketing plan, which is going to help you get one step closer to creating the money and impact that you deserve.